When it comes to taking on a blend of challenges with love, doing caregiving is right up there with parenting. In America, over 43 million persons are acting as caregivers to family members or others. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. For many of those caregiving family members, it is a task made necessary not by being the best one to do it, but by being at the best life station to take it on, or from being the only choice, necessity. Many boomers are currently in the caregiving mode for their parents, and giving caregivers all the support we can is absolutely essential. On this edition, we gain insight and support from caregiving expert, certified gerontologist, and author of the book, Tears in My Gumbo, the caregiver's recipe of resilience. Nadine Roberts Cornish is with us. I think for some of us, like in my ca- in my case, um, I always knew that I would be that person, right? As the oldest daughter in my family, the yeah. oldest girl, uh, I knew that the responsibility of caring for my mom would be a challenge and would be just an opportunity that I would look forward to later in life. Yeah. Uh, for me, unfortunately, it was much earlier in life. I was in my late 30s when I began uh, serving as caregiver to my mom. But for most people, it really isn't um, a decision or something that you plan for. It's something that happens, and you step up to the plate and you answer the call. That's what it is. You step up to the plate and answer the call. Yeah. Yeah, because if you think about it too long, <laughs> you, don't, you ain't going to do it. You might not. You might not. Yeah, but no. I think it's a, it's a heart decision. Uh-huh. And I always say that it's a, it's a decision to partner with God because I don't think that there's any greater calling than to take care of someone that you love. Yeah, but sometimes in a family you may have a, a, a parent or a grandparent or something and and people think, oh, he's always been a crotchety old person all the time and with yeah. nothing good to say. And <laughs> so why should I do this? But some people do it anyway. And people do it anyway. There are so many people that do it anyway, right? How do you, how do you work around that? Because the value in the experience is not for the person or because of how that person was or, you know, mm-hmm. whether or not, you, you know, you they finally treated you a certain way. It really is because it's part of your life experience. It's the exam that you have to take. and uh, Never heard it put like that. It's yeah. the exam you have to it's take. It's the exam that you have to take. Exactly. Yeah. It's not about the other person. In the decade that I've been doing the work that I do as a professional caregiver yeah. uh-huh. and working with families across the country, I have met all people from all different walks of life that find themselves having to care for a loved one. And I use the term loved one loosely because sometimes you find yourself in a position of caring for someone that you may be related to Mm -hmm. that you don't love and they don't love you, right? And so it's like, how does that happen? Absolutely. Well, in the case of an only child, right? Mm -hmm. If you've had a situation where, you know, you just didn't have a great relationship with your parents or Mm -hmm. a particular parent and life happens and there just is no one to take care of that person and the resources aren't there. On average now, it's well over $100,000 a year for long-term care. For a loved one. Oh, yeah. For a facility that you can stand? Yes, absolutely. A hundred thousand more. Are we talking about (laughs) assisted living here? Uh, We're talking about assisted living and we're talking about a nursing facility. Okay. Yes, long term care, the cost of long term care. So that factor. 
the cost of care is a huge factor in why people find, are compelled to step forward and take care of a relative, take care of a loved one, because that person has nowhere to go. Yeah, there are no yeah. resources for them to go into a facility. And so then you find yourself caring for someone that you might not want to care for. But you go get it done. You get it done. I've heard of something called the six stages of caregiving. <clears throat> Well, I can tell you about the five stages of caregiving. Okay, the five stages of caregiving. (laughs) Ask, find, receive. What are they? Okay, so in my book, Tears in My Gumbo, The Caregiver's Recipe for Resilience, I introduced the concept of the five steps of conscious caregiving. Mm -hmm. In my own personal 15-year journey of caring for my mom and then the last decade of working with families across the country, I've found some real common denominators. For most people, the first step in conscious caregiving is helplessness. Like, what in the heck am I doing here? Uh, How am I going to do this? Uh, I don't know what I am doing. Yesterday, my life was one way, and today it's upside down, and Mm -hmm. I've got someone who needs 24-7 care. And I'm the responsible party because I'm the person who showed up. So the state of helplessness is the common, common state that most caregivers find themselves in when they are thrust in this position. Mm -hmm. Because as I said earlier, most people don't plan and don't prepare to be anybody's caregiver. No, no, that is something that I haven't seen on the radar screen at all. No. But you say it comes up. What's another uh, This next step, uh, the second step after helplessness is recognition. Recognition that you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) Recognition that, you know, you may be a professional, you may be highly proficient, skilled in whatever it is that you do. But when it comes to having the responsibility of caring for someone, knowing the resources, knowing, understanding insurance, understanding the dynamics of long-term care, short-term disability, social security we disability. All we want to do is just give grandma some food and give her a place to exactly, rest her head. Exactly, right? Yeah. But there's a lot more that goes with it. And usually in that stage of recognition, we come to terms with the fact that we know so little, right? Mm-hmm. And so we move from recognition into the third stage, which I call process. Okay. And the third, the, the step of process is really figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Figuring out what it is that you need to know and also figuring out and process whether or not you're the person to provide that care. Is that the biggest thing you have to think about is if you're the person to do it? Because sometimes we want to do more than what we're equipped to do. And that's the, uh, in that circumstance, I think absolutely. You have to determine whether or not you are equipped whether or not, I mean, I, I've found... But you're not talking about just financially equipped. No, no, not at all. Some people don't have the mental fortitude. Mm-hmm. Some people don't have a spiritual basis that they need to carry them through the process of caring for someone who literally is in the final, oftentimes in the final stages of their life. Is that the, is that the biggest thing in the decision-making to become a caregiver then, figuring out if you're the person to do it? I think that's a big part of it, absolutely. Am I Am I equipped. Uh, As one of six siblings, I certainly knew that I was the person best equipped Mm -hmm. on every level to take on that role as primary caregiver for my mom. Now, if something happened and I couldn't do it, I have two other siblings that could step in and they were my greatest supporters. Sure, but sure, I knew sure. that I was best equipped emotionally, physically. Um, I had a one, uh, one story home. 
a ranch-style home, so it was most easily accessible and, uh, you know, the necessary modifications that needed to happen so that my home could be become a, a safe space for my mother to maneuver around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Well, how do you get the family to help? Or is that something uh, a person should do? I mean, someone who's not planning to be a caregiver is going to look and say, hey, how can my brother help me? How can my sister help because we got to do something for grandpa. So one of the most important things in the self-care, understanding the self-care of caregiving, is recognizing that you cannot take care of, you should not take care of anyone yeah. alone, that you absolutely need help. I tell people all the time, help is a four-letter word, but it's not a dirty word. Get real comfortable with it. Yeah. Get comfortable with asking for help. Get comfortable with uh, demanding help when you have to, because oftentimes mm-hmm. with siblings, we have to put in demands in order for, for them to hear. And get comfortable with accepting the help that's offered and comfortable with how the off, the, the help is offered. So that's, so that's a big mistake if you're walking around thinking, well, I can do this. Uh-huh. And you're not getting the help because it may make you feel that you can't do it. Uh-huh. And, and, and so that's something that can be a pitfall if you don't watch it. It, it really is. And uh, it's, a, it's something that I see commonly around uh, with spouses. Mm-hmm. You know, spouses tend to feel that, you know, this is, you know, this is my responsibility. You know, I took a vow and I, I have to be the one to take care of my love, my, my spouse. Mm-hmm. And true, you should be that person, but you should also recognize that you need to solicit help. You need to accept help. You need to identify resources that's going to make the caregiving journey uh, a comfortable journey for you and the person that you love. I tell uh, my clients sometimes that, you know, if you get tired of doing what you're doing as a caregiver, how do you think the care recipient feels? Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, uh, sometimes true. they need to hear true. a different voice. Mm-hmm. They need to hear a different, uh, see a different face, <laughs> hear different experiences about, you know, what's going on in the world and what have you. But if you're if you're their only uh, window into the world and what's happening, that's going to get pretty boring after a while. I don't care how good you are. <laughs> really? Right. Yes. So what happens with long distance caregiving and a lot of because the way families are dispersed and. And moving around then, Mm -hmm. we've been talking about somebody that's there. Yes. But how about somebody that's not there? You still got to do something for them somehow. You still have a responsibility long distance, and it's more challenging because you're not there. So as a long-distance caregiver, you have the responsibility of supporting whoever the primary caregiver is. That's there because whether it's aging parents, whether it's uh, it's siblings or uh, grandparents for that matter, right? Mm-hmm. If they're if you're in New York and they're in Florida, then yeah. you've got to identify someone who can be your eyes and ears. And so that primary caregiver, it could possibly be another sibling. This is a, a complaint I get all the time that you know I. They don't live here, so the responsibility falls completely on my shoulder. And I encourage families to consider the fact that they each have a responsibility to participate in the process, that there are two factors that you have to bring to the table, either your time, meaning you absolutely show up, or your resources to, to ensure that someone can show up in your stead. Wow. Wow. Is there something called caregiver stress? (laughs) <laughs> because there's a lot of because you're trying to well I guess there's a there's a degree of it but 
uh, um, how do you manage it? So I want to answer this question first. Is there something called caregiver stress? Yeah. If it were not for if it were not for caregiver stress, there's a good chance that I would not be doing this work at this point. The reason why I continue to do this work uh, after 10 years, I yeah. continue to do it because I know that there are too many caregivers out there that are so stressed that yeah. they literally are dying before the person that they take care of. Really? And that is unnatural. Absolutely. Statistically, um, statistics show that in some instances for a person caring 24-7 for another person who has dementia, yeah. which is a real serious problem. I think dementia is probably That's one probably of the most the challenging. That's probably the hardest caregiving around you have to do. It is one of the most challenging, absolutely. And for individuals caring for a loved one 24-7, the mortality rate for the caregiver is close to 40%. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so the stress is real. The stress mm-hmm. is real whether we choose to acknowledge it or not. You are not... Uh, sharing the care, if you are not getting support, help, if you are not taking time off on a regular basis, then caregiver stress is affecting you. And oftentimes it can be a silent killer. There's something called compassion fatigue. Compassionate fatigue, absolutely. Yes. Yes, you could only extend your heart out so much. Yeah. And then it, it gets gets tiring. You or... get jaded. You lose touch with what it is that you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing. And comp- compassion fatigue typically happens amongst professional caregivers more so than uh, the family caregiver. Really? Yeah. Because they're always extending more and more. Always extending more and more, and they are constantly. And family people can cut that off occasionally. Hopefully, you know, and they're getting the support that they need, Mm -hmm. and they are, you know, the relationship and the ties to that relationship Mm -hmm. are the uh, catalyst for their continued commitment. Okay. Um, I guess there's also a degree, or could be, if you don't manage it well, a degree of, of guilt and loneliness as a caregiver? Yeah, loneliness and and isolation is one of the main challenges that caregivers tend to face, right? Yeah, because they're doing it alone and with the person that they're caring for. Exactly, yeah. And uh, support groups are one of the things that I absolutely advocate for and recommend to any caregiver that I talk to. For this edition, the subject is support and insight for caregivers from caregiving expert and certified gerontologist Nadine Roberts-Cornish. Contact her online at tcgcares.com. That's tcgcares.com. We'll continue our conversation with her on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. And many thanks to you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.